Today on the Spring Hills Podcast, I've got a super exciting episode for y'all today. If you remember, we had Justin Overlander, who was an associate producer on The Chosen. He's been on a few different times. Uh, we've talked about The Chosen. Uh, recently, I got in touch with him again, and uh, he got me connected with the, the, the writer and director of the new movie that Justin is the co-producer on. It's called The Shift. So today, I've got Justin back on the podcast, and he brought with him writer-director Brock Heasley, uh, and I'm going to talk to them about this movie, The Shift. There's already a short film for this movie. You can find it on YouTube. Um, if you have trouble finding it, uh, let me know. You can email me at garrett at springles.org. I'll make sure I send you the link. It's an 18-minute short film. It's amazing. Um, they did a great job on it, and uh, that's what's going to be turned into a feature-length film. So that is who is on the podcast today. So this is uh, our friend of the podcast, Justin Overlander, co-producer of The Shift. And uh, with him today is Brock Heasley, writer-director of The Shift. So hey, today I've got with me um, a friend of the podcast, Justin Overlander, is back. Justin, this is fourth time for you. You're, uh, this is, I'm not going to call this Justin Overlander Part 4 because we have Brock with us also, Brock Heasley. Hey there. And uh, Brock is a director, writer-director of a movie coming out called uh, The Shift, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Justin, you are, what's your role with this one, Justin? Uh, I'm a co-producer on The Shift, and has it really been, is this really my fourth time with you? I feel like Yeah, it, dude, yeah. I know, right? I, I thought it was third, huh? and then I went and looked back, and I'm like, oh, wait, I did one with you prior to season two coming out, and then I did one with you, like, right after season two, and then we did the Christmas one. So if we keep doing this long enough, eventually we'll be able to talk about the Timberwolves NBA championship, right? I mean, that's what you're hoping. Yeah, that honestly, I'm kind of hoping for it, too. I like to see the underdogs, <laughs> underdogs win. So but um, because you've been on a few times, we know uh, we know a little bit about you, uh, especially The Chosen is a huge hit with our church here and with our listeners. They love it. The episodes you're on, people, um, they flock to those episodes. They love hearing about the the different projects, especially with with uh with film and and stuff in the faith-based um world it's like you we pointed out a few times there's a lot of cringy stuff and you know the chosen's just not that way and brock the shift the short film that you did it's not that way at all um it's really just it's it's all awesome to see faith-based stuff coming up in quality and our church is super stoked about that um but yeah justin since we've got to know you a little bit uh let me get to uh know you a little bit brock uh, apart from what the research i've done and I'll let you right. share a little bit. Uh, first off, you're so you're a Fresno guy, right? Yeah, I live in uh, Fresno, California. Born and raised here, and uh, yeah, with my family and everything. Okay, I'm a Turlock guy, so I'm not. I wasn't too far from you. Um, oh, growing oh up. nice. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's Central Valley, just a little bit more north. Yeah, I mean, I we're think. we're probably yeah. hour ten something from from uh, the heart of Fresno. I think where I grew up at. Um, I'm in Santa Rosa now. I'm in North Bay area now. Uh, but that's what, yeah, oh, nice. I grew up down there. Um, so I understand the hot weather also. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. been oh crazy. My gosh. It was 115 here a couple weeks ago. It, it hit 115 nuts. in Santa Rosa, which was a record for really uh, in Santa Rosa. Well, we're usually wow. half the homes here don't even have AC because it's just, it cools down so well. Oh, and so weird. Yeah. Um, now you, before I get to the movie, uh, like I said, I, I picked up your book and, uh, and read through it. And I'm really excited to hear about the movie, but man, your story, I feel like I'd, it'd be a missed opportunity if I didn't have you share a little bit about your, your story with, um, first of all, the story about your dad. Um, let's let, let's start there, your upbringing and, and what happened there. I don't want to ruin it. I'll let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll ruin it for no, you. I'd not ruin it. I mean, tell it. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, the book you're talking about, it's called the other side of fear, a true story of, um, murder uh forget oh my gosh i can't remember my own subtitle that's terrible oh you did ruin um but uh, i did ruin it i totally ruined it just now um but it is it is a it is a true story it's a it's a memoir and it's about uh it's about growing up um uh basically with with some violence in my life my father was uh was a was an incredibly interesting guy he was a, a military vet and uh, played on a president's fife and drum corps, and he absolutely hated every minute of it. He hated authority, and and so um, when he became an adult and, and started a family, he started a business and, and he sold guns, and um, that can be a very dangerous profession. 
And when I was about 12 years old, a couple of men burst into his store and they started firing immediately. They were there for one purpose only, which was to steal every gun he had um, as he was packing up his store. Um, all in all that night, he was shot 13 times. Um, they left. He, uh, he had to get up because the phone was on the wall at the time. This is back before cell phones. Um, yeah, early 90s, right? For himself. Yeah, this is 1989 when this happened. Um, and, uh, and yeah, he called 911 and, you know, they, they got there and they pretty much called the homicide squad immediately because there was no way that this guy losing as much blood and shot as many times as he had been was going to live. And yet three weeks later, we took him home from the hospital in a, in a wheelchair. And six months after that, he was walking and running and playing football with us again. Um, it was an incredible, incredible experience to see my father go through that. Um, especially because more significantly as I got older, particularly because of his attitude towards the men who shot him, you know, as a, as a Christian, as, as, as a man who, um, you know, who had found faith in his life, he, um, he didn't really talk about those guys a whole lot. And, and my dad did not live with any kind of bitterness. The only thing he ever said about those guys was that uh, he would love to get in a, in a room alone with them for five minutes. And that was like a, a joke, you know, it was like a joke he told, like, you know, the implication I'm going to beat him up or whatever, but, but that was all he ever said. And, um, and he, and like I said, he wasn't bitter. And so it was very clear to me that my father had forgiven these men for what they had done. You know, I'm really young at this point. I'm, I'm only like 12 years old and I'm, um, you know, and I'm processing all of that in a way that I don't think I even fully realized until much, much later, which as it turned out was about eight years later. Um, at this point, you know, we're talking about 1996. I have been serving 10 months as a missionary, um, and 10 months in, in, into a two year mission. And, uh, and I get a phone call from my grandfather that my dad has been shot again. And, uh, and it was, a, it was, it was one of those things where it was, it was the exact same circumstances. He was closing up his shop. Two guys came in and started firing immediately. And, uh, and this time the, the first bullet struck him in the heart. Um, we estimate that he, uh, he did not live too much longer after that. So it was pretty quick. Um, when I initially found out, I didn't know that. I just knew that he had been shot, but I just, um, I had the immediate feeling that, that he was dead. And, um, and, and that turned out to be the case. Um, at that point, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been far from home for a while. And, um, you know, it's just the, the rush of emotions is hard to articulate in a moment like that. When, when you just know that, you know, you're the person that you love so much is gone. And a lot of people have experienced that. I'm not unique in that, but the unique experience that I had, um, that other people do too, is that I had to then process, you know, what is it? What is my disposition towards the men who killed him? And thankfully, I had my father's example. Thankfully, I was a missionary. Thankfully, I, my focus at that time was on, and, and it still is, of course, but it was in a very concentrated way that my focus was on the gospel of Jesus Christ and redemption, and it was on forgiveness. And so I had a moment of anger um, after, the, after I found out, and I can remember going into the bedroom and sliding my tie off of my neck and, and my head and, and, you know, kind of like looking down at my shirt, untucking it and looking down at my feet, squaring them up, just thinking, you know, anybody looking at me would be very boring, but in my head, there was a lot of things happening. And, and I just had this, this moment of anger of, and I'm just thinking, man, those, those jerks, which is about as, you know, that's, that's cussing for a missionary. Um, and, and I, and I hit the, the frame of the, of the closet and, um, and I just was so angry that these guys, without even a thought, you know, just a thought for what they wanted, which were these guns and who cares about guns. And they took these guys, these guys took my father out of this life, took him away from me, took him away from my mom, away from my three brothers. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't okay. And, um, and then just as quickly as that anger came upon me, it passed through me. And I started thinking about them as children of God. I started thinking about them as, as children, children, literally, that they started this life, not unlike me, with a goal of happiness, with a goal of probably doing what's right. And then somewhere along the line, they went astray. And, um, 
And that was a, was a deep sadness that, that came over me at that point. I realized how much those guys had lost that they, yes, my father had died. He had lost his life, but these guys had really injured their souls. And as a Christian, the only way I can process that is as a tragedy. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that the great tragedy that had happened that night wasn't so much what had happened to my father and with him losing his life. It was these men and what they had done to themselves and whether they would realize that in this life or in the next life, at some point there'd be a reckoning within themselves um, for the sin that they had committed, which is the worst sin you can't commit, which is to take the life of another. Um, and once I realized that, I realized that there was no room to be angry at them. I didn't. I wasn't angry at them at all anymore. And in fact, what I felt was um, was love. I really genuinely felt love for them. Um, it was a powerful, powerful moment. Still, I mean, it still affects me all these years later. Just course, talking yeah. about it, um, you know, but... Um, but I'm, 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 the thing that I'm happy to say is that from that point on, um, that night was, gosh, that night was 26 years ago at this point. Um, I have never felt a moment of anger since then. I've That's never amazing. felt a moment of hate. I've, and I, and I can honestly say that I have found forgiveness in my life generally to be much easier to achieve because of that experience, mm -hmm. because I, because I passed through that. Um, it's been a huge blessing in my life to to have that experience, to have this story, to be able to tell, to say that forgiveness is so possible, and it is only possible um, through the through the goodness and example of Christ. You know, right. it's not it's not something that I feel is is something that I did that's extraordinary. It's something that was given to me because of my faith, because my faith is in the right person. It's in the right place. It's in something real, and it manifests itself. Um, through through that love and through that forgiveness that I that I continue to feel to this day. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I mean, I I watched the uh, there's the Rescue 911 episode too that you you mentioned in your book, so I looked it up um, and, and watched that too. And you mentioned something in your book about um, being in a room with the two guys portraying uh, the shooters. Mm -hmm. This is the now the first time um, the one that your dad had survived uh, right. as a 12 year old. Were you 12 at that point, or maybe a little older? Um, I think I was, I think it was about 13. It was about a year later or so that, that, that we shot it for rescue number one. Yeah. That we recreated the whole thing. I tried to put myself in that position and think like what it would have been like for me, um, seeing actors who were playing the men that, that had done that. Uh, did that in, impact you in any way? Was that something that, that made a lasting impression on you? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's, I mean, look, look at my career now. I mean, now I'm making movies, yeah. you know, and like that was my first real exposure to that. Sure. But, but yeah, there was this, there was this real, like, I don't know, I don't know how you describe it. It was not, not a disconnect, but just a, a sense of this is truly bizarre. Like these guys it are going to kill my dad, you know, and, and I'm eating Twinkies with them, you know, well, and that well, was, William that was narrates. <laughs> Right. Well, William Shatner narrates, you know, and it's just, it's, it really taught me though about, honestly, it taught me so much about the power of story, you know, yeah. like there's, there's the real experience, but I'll, I'll tell you this. It, I didn't really, as, as a young 12, 13 year old person, I did not really connect with the tragedy of my father's first shooting and, and what he went through until I saw it on TV. Oh, that's what made it real for me. Yeah. Because, because everything up until then was kind of an abstract thing. Mm -hmm. And it was seeing, it was seeing my father on the floor of his store, bleeding, breathing heavily alone, no one coming to, 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 to help him. That was the first time I really realized what he had gone through. And so when I look back on that experience of, of, you know, this reality show recreating this real life thing, in a lot of ways, it's the recreation that feels more real to me than the actual thing that we actually went through and hearing right. about it from my father or, or listening to the rescue or listening to the 911 call. Um, I think that was a, such a formative experience for me because it taught me the power of story. It taught me yeah. how story and presenting things in a way that, 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 that you can communicate ideas and emotions in a way that's very powerful and is almost more powerful than, than, than real life. Right.
Now, Ju- Justin, how did you get connected with Brock? Um, was it, I mean, I don't know if you, did you know all this about Brock prior to meeting him and getting connected with him? What was your connection to him? No, I, I knew nothing of Brock, honestly. And somebody from Angel Studios, a good friend of mine, said, you've got to watch this short movie called The Shift. And I've told Brock this before, and I don't mind sharing it publicly. I, I started it and got distracted and didn't find or didn't make the time to go back and finish it. And so my friend pressed me a little bit and said, no, man, you got to finish it. You got to finish it. And, and I finally did. And I understood the the big picture of this short film. And then when I found out that he wanted to turn it into a feature, um, I don't remember Brock, if we connected on the phone or via email or something, we just, we became cordial, I guess is the yeah. right way to put it. And Dallas Jenkins, um, the director of The Chosen had invited Brock to the set of The Chosen in Utah for a couple of weeks. And that's where Brock and I had first met face to face. He ended up staying at the same place that Dallas and I were staying. And so we got to ride together uh, to set, which is a 45 minute drive then and hung out together on set plenty as well. And that's probably when I learned of some of Brock's backstory, but just more than that, his current story of being a husband and a father who just happens to be a a tremendous storyteller. Mm. And we early on wanted to somehow find a way for me to be involved in the shift. We didn't know what that meant or what it looked like. Mm. And it just wasn't conducive to my obligations with the chosen. Cause that was really uh, kicking my butt. Just a lot of work. Even when we're not on set, it was, uh, a, you know, it's, it's hyperbole to say it was around the clock. I was burning both ends, but I mean, legitimately 10 to 12 hours, most days to the point where my son on his 11th birthday, I think tears in his eyes looked at me from the back seat of the car and said, dad, she didn't have to work so much. Oh, man. So, I definitely wasn't, yeah, no, no. And I, so I, I, the, the last thing I was looking to do was to attach myself to any other projects. And then God had a plan and it was time for me to, uh, to, to, to leave the chosen. And there was no like, it just, it was just this God thing. And I was praying, you know, is it, is it time to leave the chosen? Cause I had done so much for them. And in a way it felt like my little baby, but I know it's in good hands. I mean, they don't need me. And that's when it finally dawned on me. Okay. God needs me elsewhere. And even then it wasn't officially, Oh, now I'm going to go over to the shift. It was okay. I'm going to, I'm going to step away from the chosen and see what he has next. And and then, yeah, Brock and I uh, had a, a handful of conversations and he had brought on producer Ken Carpenter, who is just a tremendous um, human being and a, and a wonderful producer. And, and we all talked and felt like it was uh, a right opportunity because of what I did with the chosen, the shift was now going to have to go through that. And we're going through it right now. I mean, we are currently raising the finances to shoot this feature in January. Now, Garrett, I don't know when this comes out and I don't want to turn this into a pitch, but for anybody that wants to invest in a faith filled uh, science fiction feature film, we are taking investments right now through mid October approximately at angel.com slash the shift. So again, not turning this into a, a pitch, but it just, it shows I was going to ask that anyway, so the, you just beat me to it. Well, <laughs> but it, it takes a full circle. I mean, here, here is Brock talking about this near tragedy at 12 years old, which let's face it, that's a mental tragedy, even though that didn't end his father's life at that age, that is mental trauma that sticks with you for the rest of your life. And then when it, actually did take the life of his dad that's a whole new trauma again and here's a man brock who handles it with a dignity that i don't think i ever could and i lost my sister to a drunk driver when she was 18 years old so not you know i mean losing a family member that you're very very close to is tragic and i didn't handle it nearly as gracefully as brock has handled his tragedy but to see what he went through at such a young age then again at such a medium age <laughs> and what i went through at a medium age and now here we are together it's it's like one of my favorite quotes of all time from Steve Jobs, love him or hate him. 
rest in peace. Uh, he said in a commencement speech once, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. And I feel like there were a number of dots that brought Brock and me together for this particular project. And I think it's going to have a, a tremendous amount of impact in the world. Yeah. Now, Brock, one of the things I love about this is now the short film was, is it, it was 2017. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's, that's when it came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, and how long had you worked on that prior to it being uh, released? Um, well, it was based on a short story I wrote back in like 2006. Um, and, and then I was, a, it was like late 2015 that I thought to turn it into a short film and, and just wrote a, wrote a quick script based on that short story. So, I mean, if you want to really track it, it goes way back, <laughs> but, so this, but, yeah, uh, that's, but 2015 is really when it got going in earnest. That's kind of my, my point with this is you can see within, um, within the story, even watching the short film and then reading uh, a little bit about your story, listening to some of your interviews and, uh, and see, just learning more about the story itself. This is a huge passion project for you. Um, mm -hmm. So to oh, get yeah. a feature film, actually off the ground for something like this has to be something that you're looking back. Same thing, Justin, you're talking about dots connecting and looking back. And now it's like, you've got, um, you've got like, uh, Ken Carpenter, right. You said is, is on mm -hmm. board. Dallas is an mm -hmm. executive producer now, right. Is that accurate? Correct. Yeah. Yep. You've got angel yep. studios supporting it. Uh, you're raising funds. I mm -hmm. mean, you've got to just look at this and be like, I mean, God's amazing to, to, help these kinds of projects get off the ground. Cause it's not, it's a grind. I mean, like you said, you wrote it in 2006, oh, yeah. we're in 2022. And so, well, I mean, and absolutely. And I've chosen the absolute worst film to grind out. Like <laughs> this is not, this is not a film that's based on a, on a, on a comic book. It's not based on a TV show. It's not based on a novel. It's based on, it's inspired by, not even based on, it's inspired by one of the most misunderstood books in the old Testament, which is the book of Job. Um, and uh, that that's not a great hook. Um, so can so I there's, stop you so for one second? My yeah. son, I'm not joking. My son, his favorite story to read in the Bible is Job, and he's seven really? years old. He, I, we don't understand it because, like you just <laughs> what said, is that? and we've asked him about it. He's seven years old, um, and you know he's this is like been going for like a year, I think. We've asked him about it. Like, what is it about this story that you love so much? And he, his response is because Job went through so much and he still was praising God. And I'm like, my heart's sinking. Cause I'm just like, that's a wow. great answer for my, my six-year-old, you know, beaming, you know, proud dad moment. But when you, I heard that it was a, it was inspired by Job. I got even more excited about it. Um, because I'm, I'm like, dude, this, the short film already had me, had me in. And so I'm, yeah, I'm stoked on this whole, this whole story. Yeah, no, it's, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. It sounds like we're making this film for exactly one person and that's your son. He's <laughs> he seven should be really jazzed by this. Yeah. You're seven year old, but, uh, no, but look, I mean, that's in, in this day and age, I mean, we've got everything working against this film. There's absolutely no reason it should be where it is. And, you know, we just recently announced we've, we've actually got some cast now that have been assembled on this. We got Liz Tabish, who plays Mary Magdalene in the chosen. She's going to be playing our lead female role. We've got, Rose Reed. We've got Paris Patel also from the chosen chosen Jordan Walker Ross also from the chosen and, uh, and, um, Jorge Garcia, uh, from, from lost. And, um, Oh, I know, hadn't seen that one. See yet. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I just, saw the other ones this, and I was going to ask you about those. Jorge Garcia's jumped in. Mm -hmm, That's yeah, awesome. Jorge Garcia. Yep. That's cool. Um, so, so there's, but there's no reason that any of them should be attached to this movie. There's no reason that you should even know about it. There, the only reason that anybody knows about this, that anything's going on with this, is exactly because of what you just said, and and it relates very much to the quote that that Justin just gave us, which is that you look back and you can see how the dots connect. I look back, and the divine hand and all of this is very, very clear to me. Now, I wouldn't have been doing this if I didn't have some sense of what it could be, because I've put my family through a lot to get to this point, and that's a whole other story. But. Um, but I've always had this sense, and I believe it's 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 inspiration, that this was the right path, that if I just stayed on this path, that it would come to a good end. And 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 obviously we're not at the end yet, but we're pretty far along down the path at this point. And uh, and it's easy to see how things have come together, and not not because of me, and not because of Justin, 
and not even because of the, you know, all the people who have invested and, and who are now fans. It's, it's really something like this only manifests if, if he wants it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. That's, that's the baseline truth of this whole experience and right. this whole movie. Right now. Um, so since, since it was a short film, I was curious about this as well. Um, actually, could you do me a favor? I don't want to, I don't want to do the synopsis of the short film. Could you just give a brief synopsis of what the short film is? Sure. Sure. So the, the short film um, basically is about a man named Kevin and Kevin is having fights with his wife and his boss is a jerk and he's having a really, really bad day and he gets into a car accident. And when he wakes up from the car accident, there's this nicely dressed, handsome, mysterious stranger who is helping him, um, gives him some water, patches him up a little bit. And he introduces himself and he says, you know, my name is Satan and uh, I have an offer for you. I have a job offer for you. And so what the film becomes at that point is basically a job interview between the devil and this guy who's having a really hard time. And uh, in, in our world, it is a science fiction film. And, you know, and this this element of it came about from thinking about how does the devil tempt us? How does the enemy tempt us? And that's not something we really talk about a whole lot. I don't believe he can read our minds. I don't believe he can, you know, influence our thoughts in that way, but how does he really do that? And in, in the world of the shift, the way that he does it is by moving people between alternate realities. So in the multiverse theory of, of, and it is a theory, you know, and it's a science fiction trope, but the basic idea is that each one of our decisions creates alternate realities. So there's a reality in which I bought a blue shirt and there's a reality in which I chose the brown shirt off the rack. And that's the only difference between those realities. That's a small difference. But what if you could take that small difference and you could weaponize it? What if you could switch people between realities and all of a sudden I go from a reality in which my wife and I went to bed and kissed each other goodnight. And then I, and then the next morning I wake up to a wife who asked me to pay the bills and I haven't paid them because I don't remember her asking me that because I'm not from that reality. And all of a sudden we're having fights, you know, things like that. And so the devil basically explains to Kevin, this is how things work. This is how I mess with people. This is how I create misery and confusion and contention. And Kevin doesn't believe it. And, uh, and so he asks for a sign and he basically just tells the devil, you know, shift somebody then shift somebody. And, and he chooses the waitress and the waitress disappears. And all of a sudden Kevin is, he's a believer. Now this guy in front of me, he probably really is the devil and this is crazy. And what do I do? And meanwhile, the devil is just telling him, look, just do what I tell you to do. I'll give you fame. I'll give you fortune. I'll give you riches. I'll give you anything you want. Just do what I tell you to do. Lie, cheat, steal, murder, you know, the fun stuff, just do that stuff. And then I'll just give you whatever you want. And, and you know, I have the power to do it. And so Kevin in this film, he comes to a point of decision. He's got to decide, what am I going to do? And the devil has done this with a lot of different Kevins from a lot of different worlds. And so he has every confidence that Kevin is going to take the offer because his life sucks and this will make it better. But the thing that's different about this Kevin is, is that this Kevin has a little bit of a faith background. He's been to church and he's been to Sunday school. And so he does the thing that I think I would do. And I think that any Christian would do, which is that he folds his hands and he begins to pray. And as he's praying, the devil comes after him, just starts like mocking him. Like you're ridiculous. This is God's not going to help you. Look at what you did to Tina. Look at all the bad things you've done in your life. You're not worthy of his help. It's not going to happen for you. And then Kevin ends his prayer at the name of Jesus Christ. And when he opens his eyes, the devil is gone. He's just gone. And Kevin gets up and he walks out the door. And that's the end of the short. Is that um, where the feature um, film is going to pick the up? The, the feature film, that everything I just described is basically the end of the first act. Oh, okay. So the feature film will continue from that point and show what happens to Kevin after he walks out the door. So you're going to, are you going to redo that whole? Yeah, we're going to redo all of that stuff we're with new actors and everything. Who's playing Kevin and, uh, and Satan. I don't know yet. You haven't um, announced that. Okay. We haven't cast those parts yet. Okay. You know, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't even gotten them yet. I'll, I'll be honest up front. We don't even have them yet, but we're also several months away from shooting. So that that's fine. Like sure. we're not in any trouble as far now as that the, goes. You did have the, so I think maybe the animatic that you guys made, um, mm-hmm. that was the original guys, the voices, right? 
Yeah, yeah. We okay, called that them might back be why to, I was to perform those voices. That's that's why you're thinking that. that was yeah, really we cool, used those guys way. in some promotional materials. Oh, thank you. No, that's that animatic, which you can see at angel.com slash the shift. You can see the animatic, which is basically the beginning of the third act of the film. So it kind of gives you an idea of some of the more of the sci-fi stuff. It's definitely spoiler heavy, so only watch it if you really don't care. And we also shot some test footage um, to show you more of what the world looks like after Kevin walks out the door, because the world that he finds himself in is very different from the world that he starts the right. film in. And so we wanted to give people more of a sense of that. Yeah. So now you guys all at angel.com slash the shift. And speaking of angel.com, this is the first feature film length that's been supported by angel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. This is the first one. Everything else they've done so far has been TV series like The Chosen. But uh, but I dug in my heels and I said, no, I'm making a movie. And cool. so we're going to be Angel's first movie. That's awesome. And Justin, you this is you since you worked with The Chosen and now with this is uh, are you working with Angel Studios more often now or is it just by project like this? Uh, you know, I have such good friends over at Angel, and I hope that they will continue to uh, allow me to be parts of the projects that they've yeah. got going on. Um, but no, this is shift first. It just happens to be an Angel Studios project. But there's a number of other projects over at Angel that I'm I'm very intrigued by and hope they uh, find a, a level of success as well. Yeah, that the the thing. So if you so if for anybody that hasn't seen uh, the shift short film yet, you can watch on YouTube. That's where I had found it. And then after um, the short film's over, Angel Studios has like a promo about supporting these kinds of projects, and it's hilarious. Their their commercials are super funny. Like they, however they, yeah, however they started to figure that out. Sometimes like commercials are just kind of cheesy and stuff. You get the right guys writing the right content, and then the right guy to play that whatever that the the narrator, whatever you want to call them, and those things. And it's I'm like I'm laughing out loud at this commercial because they do it yeah. so well. Um, but how is the funding going? What's your goal? And and uh, and what else are you guys looking for from Angel Studio support? Yeah, so uh, the funding is going really well. We've only been open for the uh, for funding for about forty eight hours as of the recording of this. And in that forty eight hours, we've already gotten over half a million dollars in investment, which uh, which that's our minimum goal we already achieved. Um, we're hoping to get a total of I believe it's about 4 million is, is what our total max is that we can raise. Um, and so, yeah, things are going really, really well with that. We also have a number of outside parties who are looking to invest significantly into this film, particularly if we are able to reach a certain budget level, we'll be able to activate those funds. Those deals haven't quite closed yet as of this recording, but, but we're feeling very optimistic about that. So things are going in a, in a really great direction with this film this is a film that angel studios has supported when it was nothing <laughs> i had zero fans they were the, some of the first people to to see that film and say we think there's something special here and i'm so grateful for that because they did that at a time when when nobody was aware of me or, or what i was doing um but we have over the last couple of years we have really amassed a, a great group of fans and a, and it's an audience that just keeps on growing um, and so Angel's goal with this film is no less than a, than a wide theatrical release with international reach as well. Um, they see that potential. They see a crossover potential. I mean, that's really one of the biggest things with this film is that it is going to play just as strongly as a sci-fi film as it is as, as a faith film. And, 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 and I could probably even argue it'll play even stronger as a, as a sci-fi film because our approach as filmmakers is our first job is to make a great movie. We've got to make a great movie with a great story. It's not a ministry. We're creating art here, art that's meant to inspire people. And yes, we, we have a strong faith. I mean, the story we're telling you, you're not going to be able to tell it without a strong faith message, but that message is totally secondary to the storytelling. I'm, I'm really, really adamant about that. I think that's the only way that we're going to be able to, um, to make something of quality and, and be able to reach people beyond the choir beyond, um, you know, who would typically turn up for these kinds of films that that audience is very important and, and we want them, but we already with just with a short film, because of what it is, because of the way the story is told, we already have a number of fans who have self-identified as atheists, you know, or of a different faith. And I'm happy to have them. I think it's fantastic that they're coming alongside us. And I think there's a massive potential with this kind of film. And so the question right now with the investment period, it isn't so much, Hey, are we going to be able to make this film? No, we're going to make this film. We're, we're headed for, 
we're, we're pretty far down the tracks at this point. We're, we're hiring actors because we're going to make this film. The question is, who's going to join us? Right. Who's going to partner with us? Who's going to come alongside us and be a part of this thing? And of course, you know, the whole idea with an investment is to receive a, a return. There's no guarantee of that, but we think there's some a, a real power um, in the audience that we've created, in this film that, that, that we're doing. And we just hope that people will will come and, and join us. And this is, um, I don't believe there'll be another opportunity after this. This this is it. Right. To do that. And what I love that, like you're talking about making a great movie. Um, do you, you guys have a few more minutes? I'm not sure what your timeline was today. I'm totally good. Okay, cool. So um, I won't take too much more of your time, but I got a couple more questions I wanted to ask. Um, so Justin, with The Chosen, I had said this to you, I think the first time that we had talked, um, I made, Brock, are you are you a basketball fan at all? I am not even a sports fan. Okay, so, no. <laughs> so this reference may not may not mean as much to you. I told this to Justin, though, where um, I used to say all the time people would say that Dirk Nowitzki is a great shooter for a big man. And I'm like, he's not just a great shooter for a big man. He's a great shooter. And then I would say the same thing to people about The Chosen. I'm like, this isn't just great for a faith-based show. This is a great show. It's well-written. It's well-made. Um, I know I, you guys worked really hard over at The Chosen and are still they've still uh, got more coming out soon. Um, and, uh, and with Dallas involved here, I know that that is a priority to make quality, uh, quality art. Um, so what's going to be the key with this sci-fi being, uh, probably a little bit more, you're going to have some, some special effects and stuff that are going to come into play as well. The chosen doesn't have a ton of the special effects, right? Like they've got the thing with the fish at the beginning, which is a really cool story as well. Um, I know there's the challenges with every shooting a movie in every way, but, uh, what's going to be the key here? to bringing that kind of quality to this production? The key is to be strategic in the way you're doing it. And that's true of any indie film, you know, as an independent film, uh, it's going to, you know, we, we don't have a, a Marvel budget. Right. And so we're not going to try to do, you know, guys in capes and throwing hammers and stuff like that. The, 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 the trick here is to create a grounded science fiction story that uses effects in a strategic way um, that isn't going to break the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, in fact, it's funny, I just came off of a call with uh, a potential VFX supervisor and we kind of just went through the whole film and talked about, you know, what are the different things we need to do? And there are definitely some complicated shots that we've got to achieve, but, um, but most of what we're doing is going to be much simpler than that. Um, we, we don't have the luxury of wowing people with, you know, crazy spectacles. Cool. Like this is not going to be a, a crazy spectacle, amazing, you know, visual feast of a movie, although it's going to be beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It, it will be, we're getting a, a great DP for that. But with a film of this kind, the way you're really going to wow people is, is with the ideas and with the characters and, and the writing. Um, if that is strong, then that is the most important thing. And the, and the effects really become secondary to that. I think a lot of us are kind of numb to these giant visual effects spectacles. I know I am a little bit, I enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. I, I've seen every Marvel movie and, I, and I'll keep on watching them. But at some point, um, I, I, I crave something that's smart. I crave something that really digs in um, to a world that I've never seen before and excites that part of my brain. Um, and I, and I think that's what this kind of film is. I, I think this film, when people watch out there, walk out, they're not going to be talking about the effects or, or even thinking about that. They're going to be thinking about the ideas. They're going to be thinking about this idea of shifting. They're going to look at the world a little bit differently and they're going to look at God a little bit differently. That's what I think is going to happen. And I think that's far more valuable than, than any kind of spectacle we could possibly conjure on the screen. Yeah. Um, so we, you talked of, you mentioned some casting, um, with some of the, the actors from the chosen, uh, the chosen has casted extremely well. You've got, uh, what is, you got three people. Is that, so you've got Paris three, we got Paris, we got Liz and we got and Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, for anybody that's not Paris plays Matthew, uh, on the chosen, um, I, 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 the chosen is like a phenomenon within our congregation. Uh, we've got like 1500 people that come here on a regular basis. And then, uh, you know, we do Christmas, we'll get you know, 3000. Um, so there's quite a few people that the, the reach has hit and we've done groups with the chosen where we've played. Uh, I did a, I did a small group where I had I don't know, 40, 40 people in the room. We're watching episode by episode each week. And then we talk about it. And, um, so it's, it's become a, a really big deal within our church. Everybody's stoked on season three. Um, and then we've even got some people, one of the ladies was actually flown out to be in the, um, the feeding of the 5,000 scene 
because she was oh, an cool. investor on it. And so she's really stoked on it. She bought me one of the sweatshirts. And um, so anyways, people are going to be really excited about this to hear that there's uh, you've got actors coming in. Uh, what was it about Liz? What was it about Jordan and Matt, uh, or Matthew Paris that you were so drawn to to be part of this story? Well, I love actors who are so present in a scene that the, that the, that the person that they are disappears and you really see like a fully realized individual, especially actors who are able to convey more than one emotion at a time. And I think that's true of each one of the actors that we've chosen from the chosen, chosen from the chosen. Um, Liz, Liz is so, Liz is Liz is ever effervescent. If if I if I can use that word for the first time in my life, accurately, hopefully, um, she just she lights up the screen and she has such a vulnerability and a pain that she is able to communicate and access. I'm sure it's not easy, but it looks easy. It looks like it's just effortless for her. Um, that she's playing Molly. Molly is someone who's going to go through some really. She, she's she's the wife of Kevin. Um, she's barely in the short film, but she's a massive presence in the feature film. And we see a, a whole arc of her life. And there's some really painful stuff that Molly goes through um, that I know that Liz is more than capable of handling. I just, I think, I think she's a tremendous, tremendous actor in that way. Paris, you know, if you've ever talked to Paris, you'll barely recognize him. I mean, he, he what he does is Matthew is so different from who he is as a person. And yet the humanity that Paris has naturally comes through so clearly with, with Matthew. Um, it's so clearly a, a creation of, of Paris as much as it is the writers. He's playing Rajit. Rajit is going to be the heart of the film. Rajit is just a decent family loving um, Christian in this dark, horrible circumstance. Um, I can't think of anybody better than Paris for that. And then Jordan Walker Ross, who plays little James as just this nice, you know, um, quiet apostle who's struggling with his disability and, and wondering how, what his place is in the world. Just one of the nicest people you could ever want to meet little James. Of course we, you know, in real life, Jordan Walker Ross is a giant jerk. Um, just an absolute <laughs> abominable human being. And so we got him to play Kevin's jerk boss. And uh, I just think that people finally need to see who Jordan really is. And we're going to put that on the screen. Uh, none of that is true, but Jordan is such a great actor. He, I have no question in my mind. He can play the opposite of who he really is. Who, who, who is little one James of the nicest is. gentlemen I've ever met. I mean, yes, who, the opposite of little James. He's going to be large and in charge and a total jerk in our film. Well, that, I cannot I'm wait to see Jordan that, have fun he with is, that. He's yeah. so, he's so uh, mild mannered in the chosen and, Um, They have the episode where they mention his disability and Jesus is healing people. And they're asking him, how do do you feel? Are you going to ask him to, to heal you and, and all that. So that's uh, that'll be interesting to see him dip into that role. Now, the other connection to the chosen, if I'm accurate on this is the composers. Is that right? Yes. Yep. We got the same composers, Dan Hasseltine and Matthew S. Nelson. Then the, and the music in the chosen stands out so much. It's amazing. Um, I know there's the really cool story in one of the episodes, um, you know, the episode with uh, with Nicodemus, where they had the girl that came in and played, was it the cello? Is that right, Justin? Yeah. And yeah. That, that was a really cool story, see how the composers worked with them. Um, so bringing that ca- the, or casting, the uh, the connection there, I don't know what you call that with, with composers, if it's it's not casting, but um, you know what I mean. No, connection uh, works. Yeah. So bringing them in uh, with that music is it is did, was that something that to you was like oh awesome because this is going to really be able to capture the emotion that we're going for uh, in these scenes because they do an amazing job at the right tone at the right time and I mean it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, and they do it without hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's so powerful about their music is they're never turning it up to eleven. You know, it, it and yet and yet the emotion that I feel when those cues come on at the right moment, that's at 11. But what their music is, is it's not that. And so Matt and Dan really understand how to evoke emotion without forcing it. And to me as a storyteller, that is so important. That, that's, that's the space I want to operate in. I don't want to manipulate people, but I want to lead them into an experience and let them have it. And Matt and Dan through their work in the chosen have, demonstrated quite well that they totally understand that. And I've had a chance to work with them a little bit already on the animatic. They did the music for the animatic 
And, um, and we were very, it was, it was a great experience. We were so aligned in our sensibilities and, 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 and all of that. And so I, I can't wait for them to bring that kind of expertise and to bring a totally different sonic palette. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. Like what they do in the chosen is so different from what they're going to be doing in the shift where we're right. going to be going much more with like synths and, and, and things like yeah. that. And whereas the, the chosen is so much about the organic, you know, real world analog instruments. And, but I, oh, they I, captured they're going to kill it. They captured it. Amazing. I, I have always, so I was a, I was a film major. Um, I didn't end up doing anything within that. I ended up actually shifting, uh, majors and shifting majors and, um, went into communications and I'm, I've ended up in ministry as the, the worship pastor, um, at our church. And so, but, but one of the things that I was always really drawn to was the, the composers being, I mean, if you have the wrong fit there, it can ruin a film. Mm -hmm. And you, there's movies, Absolutely. there's movies where you've seen it where like, oh, this would be a really good movie if man, the music just isn't, the tone isn't quite right or something. And then uh, there's movies that just have the outstanding um, composition and, and within the music and stuff. So I'm excited that you got those guys connected. Uh, Justin, did you were you the connection with with Dallas? How did Dallas get involved here? No, he Dallas was on board as an EP. Oh, okay. Uh, well, before I mm -hmm. I got involved. Okay, all right. So, so Dallas. I wasn't, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Dallas came on board um, pretty early on when I first submitted, when when Angel Studios first saw the short film for The Shift and we first, you know, started talking about crowdfunding and everything. Um, the Chosen was in its infancy. I don't think they'd even shot any of the episodes yet. Only The Shepherd existed at that point. But I had a very strong sense that this was going to be something special. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I need somebody like Dallas, who I believe will be a lot bigger very soon. I need him attached to this um, in some way. And at first it was just a quote. I just asked Angel Studios if they could show the short film to Dallas and just ask if he would give us a quote that, that we could use to just, you know, establish some legitimacy. Right. Dallas was kind enough to do that. We became friends on Facebook. I posted some chapters from the book that you read um, on Facebook and Dallas for some reason, read all 7,000 words of those chapters I posted. Um, and he was very impressed with my writing. And, and at that point we kind of struck up a professional friendship. Um, and so when it finally came time to start crowdfunding, I, I, I just, I just asked him, I just said, Dallas, will you be an executive producer on this film? I think you could really help me out. And have and you said, gotten yes. to pick his dad's brain on sci-fi stuff at all? Cause his dad has a little bit to do with that. Right. Uh, he does, but I have never—I haven't met him yet. No, oh, I really? haven't. I haven't had that opportunity. I would love to at some point, but so, no, it hasn't happened. So that, that probably sounds really random. His uh, Dallas's dad, if you don't know, was uh, is Jerry Jerry Jenkins, who wrote the uh, the Left Behind series, and so there's been a couple movies iterations made of those um, that story. Uh, yeah. So, Hey, uh, real quick, before I let you go, Justin, you started to do this earlier. You gave a little bit of uh, a plug on how to support the shift. Um, go ahead and do that again. Let us know where we can support it at, um, different ways that, that the shift needs support. Yeah. Well, I mean, prayer is clearly the number one thing that people can do for this project. Uh, not only selfishly for us as, as the makers of the project to get it made, but that if, uh, not if, when we get it made, that it does have impact, that it is a light to this world, because I don't want to work on projects that aren't making the world a little bit better because they exist in the in the world. And so prayer that God has his hand firmly on all of the decisions that are being made throughout the entire, you know, development, pre-production, production, post-production post and distribution phases of the project. Um, at this point, yeah, I mean, through mid-October, we are accepting in investments, and it's it's not donations. This is investments. You would be, uh, you would have a stake in the movie, The Shift, and you can do that at angel.com/slash/the-shift. At that site, there's a ton of uh, more information about the the project as well. You can watch the short film there. There's there's other um, you know videos and and uh, you know the team. You can meet the team. Um, and then just sharing our stuff on social media has way more value than people ever realize. The Chosen doesn't exist today without people getting on board early and sharing it on social media. So follow us on Instagram. We're at the Shift Film on Instagram and Facebook. 
Shifty film on Facebook. But honestly, if you search for the Shift film on Google, uh, you're, you're probably going to get to this one. The, the title has been used on a couple other things on IMDb. I mean, The Chosen is a couple other things on IMDb. You can't copyright titles. So um, just look for the shift in uh, with a, a bold red background and uh, read a description. And if it talks about the benefactor, that's us, promise. So, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you're not in a position to be an investor in a film project, don't feel like this is a pitch to get you to invest. We just want you to learn more about the project. And if it looks like something that could be beneficial to people in the world, yeah, go ahead and, and give us a, a like, share, share our content. Reach out to us, too. Uh, we respond to messages on social media. So if you have questions, we're, we're here. Awesome. Hey, uh, Brock, real quick. So you're, you're a Fresno guy. I looked you up on, uh, on Facebook and I have actually two friends in common with you. One of them is obviously Justin here. The other one, her name is Tasha Spears. Um, she, Oh yeah. Do you remember her? I do remember her. Yeah. Oh, we she said on she wasn't sure. house together. Yeah. 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 So she, she said that she yeah. met you. Was it the gallows? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, it was the, that was actually how the shift got started. Um, oh, was, was we, I, I worked with Tasha at a haunted house that was themed after the gallows, which was a movie that I, that I worked on in a small way. And I was the manager of the haunted house. And at the, the last night of the haunted house, one of the actors from the haunted house who worked with Tasha and worked with me told me that he was an actor, you know, generally, and that uh, he heard that I was a writer and that if I ever written anything, um, he would love to star in it. And I said, well, that's, that sounds cool. And three days later I had the script for the shift feature film. And one month later that actor starred as Kevin in the short film. Oh, that's and, awesome. uh, if it, and then the haunted house, all the actors in the shift short film were all from that haunted house, oh, including no the extras, every single one of them. I just, I just, so I didn't do what Travis I just was pulled them over from the haunted house. Travis was the Travis and he directed uh, and his the partner, gallows, Chris. Right? Right. They were the ones who, they were the ones who were behind the haunted house. They were the ones who oh, okay. really, um, you know, created it and, and everything. Okay. I was just the guy who I, I assisted and, and managed it, but they were the ones who were really behind it. Yeah. Dude. So fun. That connection was so funny. Cause she was part of my youth group. I was a youth pastor for years and she was part of my youth group from the time. I think she was a freshman oh, wow. all the way through high school. And so when I saw that, I haven't talked to her a whole lot. I mean, we've kind of, she's moved around a little bit. She was in Fresno for a while. I think she was in Vegas yeah. for a while. Um, so we kind of lost touch, but we're still on Facebook. So I messaged her. I'm like, this is super random, but how do you know Brock? Because I'm going to interview him next week about uh, the next movie. And she's like, oh, he probably doesn't remember me. Worked with him. Uh, there's a movie called The Gallows and some yeah, probably the Haunted House yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so anyways, uh, I'll let her know that you uh, that you still remember who she is and stuff. She'll be stoked about that. I do. <laughs> that's cool, man. Well, Justin, Brock, thank that's you so great. much for taking the time. I'm so excited. Oh, do you? I'm sorry. One more. Do you have a timeline of when um, you're hoping to hit theaters with this movie? Yeah, we're hoping to start rolling film in January. Um, and then the theater, theatrical release, we're aiming for October 2023. But I would not hold me to that. But that's, right, yeah. that's it's good to have a goal. And I, I think we have a shot at hitting that goal. Okay, that's awesome, dude. I'm so excited for you guys. Justin, Good, always good talking to you, man. Um, I feel like I've gotten yeah. to be buddies with you. I love your, your jokes of the day um, on Instagram. <laughs> There's... They're your dad jokes. I love them. Uh, and Brock, it's so I, good to I meet you. I bet I'll keep doing a few of those from the shift, from the set of the shift. Awesome. <laughs> Brock, so good to meet you, man. I appreciate cool. you uh, taking the time. You too, Garrett. All right, guys. Have a good day.